Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So the big topic is going to be, until we have a decision, what is Tom Brady's future? And I have spent a lot of time, Steve Bursnick, asking people about this, and I listened to Tom Brady's Let's Go podcast with Jim Gray on Monday. We'll get into those comments. I thought it was pretty pretty revealing. Here's what I here's what I think. I think as Peter King would say, I don't think. Well, I think that at best, according to the people I have, according to my sources that I've talked to with the Bucks and others. At best, it's 50-50. Now, that, that sounds like a cop-out, right? Well, he may, he may or may not. Look, when you consider that Tom Brady has played as long as he has, and he's never been to the point where this was ever a question, right? It was always, we don't think he can play anymore. We don't want him to play anymore. He can go somewhere else if he wants to, that sort of thing. Um, there, there's been people that doubted that he would be any good, right, if he continued playing. But he has never gotten to the point where he said, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, he is now not sure, and that is a sort of monumental right place to be in time, especially if you're the Buccaneers, and certainly if you're Tom Brady or his family. So, you know, talk to you know you can talk to Bruce Arians, and of course they're trying to give him as much space as possible. The Bucks are not pushing him for an answer, much less 24 hours or so after uh, you know they played their final game and lost you know, to the Los Angeles Rams. But, you know, naturally they like to know sooner than later because they got about, you know, half half the guys that started in that game on Sunday are free agents. So well, you certainly need to know. They would like to know, but he's under contract for next season. He doesn't have to decide anything mm-hmm. until the day before the That's season right. he could announce a retirement. <laughs> That's right. And it's not like he's a free agent. That's they right. need an answer because free agency comes up mid-March. He's under right. contract. He can retire mm-hmm. anytime he chooses, and it doesn't have to be on the Bucks timeline. Which, listen, I and that's true. I I believe that he would do a buck. The Bucks a solid, given what they've done for him the last couple of years. And I let's agree. face it, that he's done more for them. But but I think I think before the start of free agency, which is mid March, we're still, you know, we're in January still. I mean, it's, you know, uh, we're not to the to to March or February yet, much less March. So he does have time. And he said, look, we don't play football for a long time. When he says that, I don't think he's talking about August. I think he's talking about OTAs, which he never participates in. I think he's talking about maybe a mandatory minicamp, which he did. So, you know, he's got, he's got a while. He's got till mid-March, even, you know, even if the Bucks had to know by then. And they will need to know because it affects the salary cap. It certainly affects which free agents you sign. It will affect which free agents will want to come back potentially, including a guy like Rob Gronkowski. Um, but I think, and he said some of these things before. I've heard these sound bites a little bit at times uh, when when Tom has speculated about being closer to the end than the beginning. But I don't know. To hear him now, it, it, I think he's really conflicted. And, of course, the, the thing is not 
he knows he can play. He just completed a year where he led the league in passing. Um, he's not. He's not. He always. He always said that he would quit when if he sucked, but he's far from sucking right now, and so that's also feeding into this. It would probably be much easier had he seen his skills erode, and he doesn't feel like he's playing at a championship level. Well, he is absolutely playing at a championship level. So it's not about football. You know, it's not about his love of the game or his lack of love of the game. It's not about physically whether he can you know handle it. Uh, and hold up. It's not about the grind and the mental fatigue and anguish. He loves his teammates. He loves the grind of football. That's that's part of the attraction, challenge himself. Um, it's really about his family. That's, that's all this comes down to is, you know, he has sacrificed. They have sacrificed so much. And now he has three kids. One, his oldest, I think, is 14, that lives in New York uh, with Bridget Moynihan, his former girlfriend. And, of course, he's got two with... Giselle Bunchkin and uh, Bunchin and how do you say her name? Bunchin, Bunch, Bunchin. Let's just say Giselle. And so, you know, and they're getting older. Like they, they are, they are now doing things. They, are, they are not babies. They're, you know, they're uh, into sports and they're into different things. And and when you immerse yourself the way Tom Brady does for six months, not a whole lot of family time there. Now in the off season, he has maximized his time and done a lot of things. And he was having waffles with his little daughter, Vivi, you know, while he was doing the podcast with Jim Gray, you know, in the, in the morning on, you know, sometime on Monday. But, um, you know, he just said that, you know, as I've gotten older, and this is Tom Brady speaking, I think the best part of football, it, you know, I think the best part is football is extremely important in my life. And it means a lot to me. And he said, and the biggest difference now that I'm older is I have kids now too, and I care about them a lot as well. They've been my biggest supporters. My wife is my biggest supporter. It pains her to see me get hit out there. She deserves what she needs from me as a husband. My kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. And, you know, he he just, (laughs) he talks about how he wants to be around. You know, he, he, you know, there's a lot of joy in his life from playing football, but he says now that my kids are getting older, seeing them develop and grow, all these things need to be considered, and they will be. You know, so he's very he's very conflicted. Um, you know, he, he says that if he's not fully committed to doing what he can do to play at a championship level, the team does, doesn't deserve anything less than his best. And so, if he's conflicted at all, obviously he wouldn't he wouldn't play. He'd let it have somebody else do it. And then he mentioned Kobe Bryant, you know, who, well, of course was a friend of his and he said, God rest his soul, but you think you're going to live forever. We're not. And we think we're going to play forever and we're not. So what can we do? We enjoy the moments we have. And he talked about, you know, even though they lost how he enjoyed playing in the game, competing in the game, all that stuff. So, so football is still, He's still really good at it. He still really loves it. He loves everything about it. He loves his teammates. He loves challenging himself and all of that. But they he's really at a point now where, you know, he's got to he's got to be he wants to be a Hall of Fame dad. He wants to be a Hall of Fame husband. And there's just gonna come a point where that's not possible because his kids are older and involved in so much. And as he said, how does he know? You keep playing, and then something happens, and you've missed all those years with your children because um, life isn't guaranteed to anybody. 
So I, I really do think that you know, for the first time, this is real. Like he could really retire, and the people that work with him every day, the people that know him best, they think it's could go either way. And I don't even know that Tom knows as we as we sit here and talk about this tonight. I don't know that he knows what he's going to do, but I do know that you know he doesn't want a vic- he doesn't want a retirement tour. He doesn't want to announce that yeah, this will be my last year. But that's also bothers him because he says I'm too competitive for that. I don't want you know I don't want people to saying oh well you know here to have a rocking chair and you know that you know, take the tour like some people have done in the past. So. He's really in a in a in kind of an interesting spot, but the Bucks are right there with him. Think about where this puts the Bucks. They're willing to wait. Believe me, they're willing to wait because the, the chance of getting Tom Brady back, the way he's playing, they they'd be all in and try to win another Super Bowl. But there is a little bit of a chicken in the egg. Like he needs to let them know so they so that they can influence some of these free agents they want to bring back. Yeah, and that's that's the whole thing. I mean, like I said, he could retire anytime he chooses, but, you know, the roster decisions have to be made well before then. From free agency in March to yeah. the draft to, you know, late April, early May, whenever it is this year. So all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, the roster, if he wants to come back, if the family doesn't sway him to where he doesn't want to come back, if he's considering coming back, how they remake this roster, and they're going to have to based on the number of free agents they have, is going to probably impact that decision. Because, you know, look, he's going to be 45 in August. He's not looking for a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Now, not that the Bucks are in a rebuild situation. But, you know, he's not looking to, okay, let's, you know, it's going to take two or three years to get this group back to where we're Super Bowl ready. And I'm not saying that's where the Bucks are, but, you know, decisions from Jason Pierre-Paul and, and Dominic and Sue and, and what they've, you know, you know, Chris Godwin, you know, was on a franchise tag this year, and Carlton Davis, and, you know, all the free agents they have, Rob Gronkowski, et cetera, you know, they've got some decisions to make and how they want to prepare this roster. You know, if there is no Tom Brady coming back, and for argument's sake, let's say they don't go get Aaron Rodgers if he leaves Green Bay, you know, how are they, you know, are they looking to build this roster for a Super Bowl this year, or is it – you know, it's going to take two or three years and figure out our quarterback and, you know, and that impacts who they may sign and what they may do. Yeah, I mean, all that's all that's uh, important. And, and, and you know, I'll throw in guys like Ryan Jensen and Alex Kappa. You know, they mm-hmm. got two offensive linemen that are free agents. Um, yep. You know, obviously Gronk is probably going to do what Tom does or greatly be influenced by what he does. I don't know that Gronk's never played for another quarterback. Never, never played a game with without Tom Brady. I think what he enjoys is is being his teammate and playing here. Um, you know, so there there is a. I think eleven of the guys that started again on Sunday are, are free agents, and there's more than that um, when you when you factor in Chris Godwin and some others. Um, Brady said, "I said this a few years ago. It's what relationships are all about. It's not always what I want. It's what we want as a family. And I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and figure out." the future and what's next. He thinks, you know, you're selfish if you always do what you want to do and not not what others need or, or want you to do. So um, interesting and a couple other like kind of sidebars to that is that we talked to Bruce Arians, who of course doesn't know uh, or says he doesn't know what Tom Brady will do. And, and I asked Bruce, I said, is it possible that 
your next quarterback is already on your roster. Now, the only other guy that's actually signed besides Brady is Kyle Trask. And he had a red shirt season. You know, he didn't, he didn't, wasn't active one game uh, in the regular season or the postseason. So he basically went out there every day, practiced his butt off, did Scott Scott's stuff, worked extra with Clyde Christensen and others, and tried to, try to hone his craft. But he hasn't played football now in a year uh, against, you know, any, any meaningful uh, situation other than the preseason. So, you know, that said, uh, what what Bruce Arians said, he goes, well, he could be, and I'd be okay with that. He goes, but we would probably look what what's behind door number two. We did that before, and we found Tom Brady. <laughs> so he's kind of signaling that, you know what? Uh, love Kyle Trask, not committed to him being my starter if Tom leaves. We're going to go see what else is out there, which is fascinating because, you know, Brady has sort of given the Bucks this this kind of leverage or this kind of opportunity with other quarterbacks if they're there, if they can be, if they can be had through trades mostly. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be a free agent that they would be that interested in, but you know, you've got Russell Wilson has made noises about leaving Seattle. You've got um, obviously Aaron Rodgers making a lot of noise about leaving Green Bay. He's still under contract for another year. Um, and I, I don't, I cannot picture Green Bay, trading him to an NFC team. I think the same might be true a little bit with Russ. You know, so who's to say who else is out there? But um, they would look behind door number two and and I think try to, you know, sort of recapture. Uh, you, you obviously don't have the GOAT, but you'd have somebody that's an established quarterback that's been a winner come in here with this, with this core and, you know, Good players want to play with good players, and so it would certainly help them in free agency and such. And that would probably be the way they would go. I mean, I, I don't sense that they're ready to turn it over to Kyle after one red shirt season. And, you know, Blaine Gabbert could resign. He's a free agent. Uh, I've heard talk that Blaine could be like that. that Blaine could be this bridge quarterback to, to Trask and have him compete. But let's be honest, you're not going to, you know, you went from winning – you know, 15 and what, 15 and five and winning the Super Bowl and 14 and whatever they were this year. And, you know, you're going to go to a, essentially a rookie quarterback, perhaps, um, or a very, you know, a very older veteran that hasn't really accomplished much in his career. And you're going to win six, seven games. I mean, that that's a huge culture change for this organization. And, you know, all I'm saying is like, you know, the sooner you can let us know, the better, Tom, because obviously we, we've got to make other plans and, and try to try to find a quarterback. I, I don't know that I'd ever draft a quarterback anymore unless he just looked like, you know, the John Elway. I think it's really tough these days to draft and develop guys. And then, you know, you mentioned this before, like, you know, Bruce has told me he's coming back and he, and he said it again on, on the, uh, in the press conference on Monday when we did the sort of the postmortem on the season on Zoom call. He said he, play, he, he he is coming back to coach. He also allowed, and I thought this was kind of a message to Brady, because Byron Lefwich today, which we'll get into, is interviewing in person in Jacksonville. It's his second interview with the Jaguars, and there certainly is a lot of smoke there and perhaps some fire because he was drafted by that organization. He played quarterback there for four years. Uh, he, is a, he is a top candidate for that Jaguars job. If he leaves, Bruce just allowed today – that he would consider calling plays and he'd probably, you know, utilize some of the other guys on the staff to do some of the, 
you know, some of the grind stuff, but he would be the guy in the meetings. He would be the guy on the headset. He'd be the guy with the play call sheet and would do it on Sunday. So that's, you know what that sounded like to me, Steve? That sounded like a message to Brady. That sounded like, hey, you know, we may lose Byron Leftwich and they may know that that's going to happen or be very confident he could get the job when he goes up there today. And that's almost like, you know, okay, there's nobody really ready on the staff. I mean, they love Thaddeus Lewis, who's the backup or assistant receivers coach that played quarterback at Duke and has been with about half a dozen organizations. They think he's going to be special like Byron, but maybe he's not there yet. So it's almost like, hey, Tom, we're good. I got you. I'll call the plays if if you wake up tomorrow and Byron Leftwich is gone, don't panic. Don't let that weigh into your decision. Uh, it uh, sounds like a message to Tom, but it could also be a message to Aaron or Russell or anybody else too. Great point. Great point. You Absolutely. know, I mean, you know, the, the Bucks can be kind of toting a, a, a dual line of, hey, we want Tom. Tom, please come back. But mm-hmm. if you don't, we're already looking – we're willing to look behind door number two. Our, you know, the quarterback's not necessarily on the roster right now if Tom leaves. So, right, and you know, yeah. if if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're Russell Wilson, or another top quarterback that potentially could mm-hmm. be moved or traded, or Deshaun Watson, yeah, if you could fork that out, yeah. Know? I mean, you know that. Hey, I'm going to be the one on the headset. I'm going to be mm-hmm. the one calling plays. I'm not handing it to some guy who's never done it before. Right, you know, yeah, it's I got not, you. Not say you're not I grooming. Gotcha. I'm good. Yep, yeah, not say not grooming, but it's a message to everyone, including Tom. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. Hey, folks, uh, we'll take a. Uh, I want to make remind people uh, before we go further on the podcast that the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete is presented by RP Funding. It happens this year, February 25th to the 27th. Speaking of great events in February, the temporary circuits is a 1.8 mile, 14 turn configuration, and they use the streets circling Pioneer Park, the Duke Energy Center for the Arts, the Daly Museum, and extends, of course, onto the runways at Albert Witted Airport. Just a phenomenal race, a phenomenal picturesque scene uh, for a race. Go visit uh, gpstpete.com. That's gpstpete.com for race information and tickets. I think that Byron Leftwich has done a good job. I think Byron has probably learned more football, more football from Tom than Tom learned from Byron. Let's, I mean, you know, obviously Byron was instrumental in teaching him this offense, this terminology, their concepts, their way of doing things. But in the end, we saw this this offense sort of as it should uh, morph into something that looked like what Tom Brady is used to doing, comfortable doing, wants to do, all of that. Um, so, but Byron does it all. I mean, Byron doesn't get a lot of help from Harold Goodwin, who's a run game coordinator. He doesn't get any help from Bruce. He doesn't get any help from Clyde. He's been the guy with Tom sort of hashing out these game plans. Um, And, you know, he's made his mark. I mean, he is, he has been a guy that's been successful. They were second in the league behind Dallas in, in points per game. And Dallas ran up the score on some teams that, you know, didn't have anybody to play or were resting guys or whatever. Um, they had a couple 50-point games, which certainly helped them. But over the last three years, you know, the, their scoring offenses have been near the top of the league, almost 30 points a game. And yet the head coaching position is so different than just calling plays. And he may go up there and call plays if he gets a job in Jacksonville. But what he does have is a guy like Trevor Lawrence. And even though people might be a little you know, suspect about the Jaguars organization or Trent Baalke, their GM or whatever. 
with all that went down with Urban Meyer and that mess. Um, it's hard to say no when you're offered one of these jobs. There's only 32 of them in the world. And if you want to be a head coach uh, with, the, with the track record currently, especially that the league has, you know, with just one African-American head coach at that, but you're a quarterback, a former quarterback, and what better guy to, to have seen the game um, from behind the center in the NFL to coach you than a guy like Byron Leftwich, who was, you know, a, a first-round pick of his own in that very organization. So he knows what, what that is like to be a quarterback and come to Jacksonville uh, and, you know, and try to learn and, and develop, you know, while you're playing as a young guy and not a great team around you. So he has so many similar experiences uh, that he would be able to impart on, on a guy like Trevor Lawrence, but there's more to the job. I mean, you're, you're in charge of everything and everybody, the things that cross the coaches, head coach's desk is everything sometimes, but coaching. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know how he will do. He He's a likable guy. He's very affable. He's, um, I think, very smart. I think he sees the big picture. I don't think he's just a, you know, let's throw it every down guy. I think, you know, he tries to stay balanced. He understands complimentary football. He knows how to win games. I think he's probably learned more about winning football games with Brady uh, as a coach than, you know, than he has in a long time. So if he goes, it's it's a loss for the Bucks. And we'll see how they fill that hole, whether it's Bruce Arians or Thaddeus Lewis or whomever. And then Todd Bowles is still up for a bunch of jobs. And my sense is, is that Bowles probably won't get it. Um, and I could be dead wrong about this, but you know, I, I don't know that I don't know that his interviews have gone all that well. They they want to know who your offensive staff is. I don't know that he has uh, you know, just a, a bunch of guys that he's locked up that would come with him. It's it's interesting. Um, I think there's a better chance that Leftwich gets a job than Bowles, even though Bowles has been a head coach. He might be more qualified. He's certainly older. And that kind of leaves you back to Arians, which, you know, Bruce has told me and others, he told us today that he plans on, on coming back and coaching at age, going to be 70 years old in October. Um, and I had asked him, well, what if he leaves? You coming back either way? He goes, yes. I don't know what he could have said before the playoff game. It would have made a headline, and that's probably not a great idea to try to deflect away from what you're trying to win games. If you go, oh, no, this is my last game. I'm done after the playoffs, whatever. Um, however, things could change. Like I think you brought up a great point before the podcast, Steve. We were talking, and you said, well, what if Brady doesn't come back? Does that change his mind? It might. I, I asked him with or without Brady, but you know what could he say at that point? Well, but with or without Brady, is your quarterback Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Is it Russell Wilson? Right. You know. Well, there you who's go. Your quarterback? You're right. So I could make it. Yeah, I could make a case. Okay, we don't have Brady, but we got Russ. I'm good. But if you go, we don't have Brady, and I got Blaine Gabbert. Maybe I'm not good. Mm-hmm. And you know. And and Andy has a health issue, and now he's got going to have to have surgery on the on the torn Achilles, which is going to take him off his feet for months. As Mark Topkin, who just had it, um, you know, ultimately, hopefully, he'll feel better. Um, but he's had a bunch of health problems, and we know we know what they are. By the same token, I think I think he has a good gig. But if you're going to add play calling to it, and maybe longer hours, perhaps, that's why he sort of left Arizona. And that's why when he came to Tampa, he told the Glazers, I'm not calling plays. Um, so if he did, that's that's more on his plate for sure. 
So it's just there's just a lot of uncertainty. I can't remember an off season, and of course it starts with the quarterback. But I can't remember an off season. Well, two years ago, I guess you could say the same thing sort of happened, right? I mean, yeah, I thought it was obvious in my mind when Jameis Winston threw the pick six to end his career in Tampa in the game against Atlanta. I was convinced that Arians had had enough. And the one thing I know about Bruce is he doesn't shoot the bull. Like if Arians if Arians make up makes up his mind, from what I understand about him, it's made up. Like you're not going to change it, and I from the, that moment I sensed that he was done with Jameis Winston, and nothing was going to going to going to make that different. Even you know, even if they didn't get Tom Brady, um, so I don't you know I don't know, you know I don't know sort of what what his thoughts are about the quarterback position and how that would affect him if he couldn't get somebody, you know that that was a winner. And I think I think the team, you know, doesn't want to go back into the drafting mode, and they they pick twenty seventh, so there's not going to be a quarterback there that you're going to be able to plug and play. Um, it's going to be totally different, totally different vibe around here. Even though they hope the culture has been built, and people now hold each other accountable, and and some of the things that Brady brought brought in attention to detail and all of that, does that go out the window if you don't have the player here, or? Do the core guys that work with him now fully understand what the sacrifice is in and out, in and off the field, you know, to, to win a championship because they're all world champions, you know? So there's a lot to unpack here, but it's, it's going to be a fascinating off season. And you thought your uh, days of coaching searches and all this (laughs) stuff in the off season was behind you for a little while. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think 25 out of the 30 years, it's been a coach quarterback every year, you know, and that's how that's that's the recipe for disaster in this league. Change the coach, change the quarterback. And the Bucks have done that with uh, quite regularity, um, you know, up until when they got Bruce. And we'll see how long he goes because of his age and everything else. Hey, uh, folks, uh, set in the downtown streets of uh, the Sunshine City, it's the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete. Presented this year by RP Funding, and it kicks off Florida's spring break season with some high-speed excitement. Go to gpstpete.com for all your race information and tickets. Another racing season starts right here in St. Petersburg. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I don't know if you had a chance to read John Romano's excellent column in today's Tampa Bay Times. You can read on TampaBay.com. But he sort of you know, took apart, dissected, otherwise looked at the final two plays on defense that led to Matt Gay's 30-yard game-winning field goal, uh, which ended the Bucs season. It really is something that, uh, look, uh, you know, obviously teams this weekend did more with less, right? I mean, we'll, we can get into Kansas City's 13 seconds to uh, t- to tie the game and put it in overtime, which was remarkable. Um, but the Bucks, you know, when they scored the game, the, t- the game tying touchdown, Leonard Fournette on fourth and one inch uh, 
breaks containment and runs it in the end zone. You can't tell them to sit down or or fall down in that situation because you're down to touchdown. And and so you have to score. You lose about forty two. You have to score. Yeah, on that one you can't just say, "Hey, fall down," and we'll try to score a few minutes from now. So he scores. Um, they tie the game, and the place is going. I mean, it's coming apart for those. By the way, how many of those fans? There was a ton of fans that left, and I guess you can't blame them. In a sense, I mean, this game was twenty-four to three at one point, twenty-seven to three. So at twenty-seven to three, I can see why you're like, "I'm not going to watch this." However, when it got when it got kind of tight, it's like I looked up and it was like, "That's about half the people have gone." They they got this on their radios going, wait a minute, should we turn around? <laughs> Can we go back in the stadium? Uh, players, you know who else noticed? Players noticed it. Mike Evans noticed that. That bothered with him. It sat with him. Um, so they make this great rally, and, and uh, you know, they kick off. And, you know, basically, they you know, the Rams used their final timeout. And there were two plays that got them down. They're both completions to Cooper Cup. The last one, of course, was on the blitz we'll talk about in a minute that seems like a silly call and will be one that will haunt them, I think, for years to come. But the play before that, in some respects, was almost was almost more important because they had the right defense called, I thought. They had man coverage, but plus two deep safeties. Try to keep guys from going over the top. And, you know, Cooper Cup... Uh, is running sort of a crossing route. Well, Sean Murphy bunting, and this is kind of a freaky thing, like you, you never want this to happen in a game, but it did. He's running with him, but then he steps on him. He trips over Cooper Cup, like falls down. And so Cup has instant separation, uh, makes the play. And then the other thing that goes wrong is he gets out of bounds. They don't tackle him in bounds. So he fights and gets out of bounds, which stops the clock. And then that set up what was just, I don't know how else to say it, just just a horrifically bad call on defense by Todd Bowles, who decides to go cover zero, which means no no safety um, you know, down the field. Even though this team still has to go a bunch of yards with no timeouts, you're kind of challenging them to throw it, you know, in that situation. But at first, they said, well, we didn't get it communicated. And Bruce Arians said, I'm money. No, I was wrong. It was communicated, although Levante Davis is in no man's land. He's just kind of standing there. And Cooper Cup got on top of Antoine Winfield Jr. like before he could he could even recognize it and blew by him. And, of course, Stafford made the perfect pass. But that whole sequence there, like Bruce Arians even said, I'd like to, do, I'd like to take the 40 seconds back last night. I'd like to do that over again. And they're getting roasted for it on national TVs and all the all the NFL shows. And you know what? They should. That was that was just bad ball. That's all that was, man. And I guess Sue was in Matthew Stafford's face. So if you know, if a couple seconds later he plants him in the ground, and it's a sack, and the game ends, we're all singing a different tune. I get it. But you talk about no risk it, no biscuit, man. Oh man, that was that was Todd Bowles going all in and. For a multitude of reasons, they didn't play it right, they didn't line up right, and they got bit by it. Well, Matthew Stafford this season was the best quarterback against the Blitz in the NFL, period. Thank you. And you were getting home, for the most part, late in that game without having to Blitz. Definitely not a zero Blitz. Mm -hmm. 
Right. I just right. I, I didn't understand the play call. I mean, you know, you're making it in the heat of the moment there mm-hmm. and, and going, but and, and I guess you're trying to catch them by surprise because you hadn't done that. But I mean, they just you know they just watched the play go for 20 yards and and you know the cup. When I thought they had the right defense call, which is you you know you play man under, you play the two deep safeties, and you try to keep. You try to funnel things in the middle of the field since they don't have any timeouts, if you can. You try to tackle inbounds. You try to do those things. Bruce Arians said something. He goes, they only needed, after that one completion, he said they really only needed about 12 yards. Well, no, that's not true. I mean, Matt Gay has a strong leg, but not not on Sunday. He tweaked something in warm-ups. He tried a 45-yarder that was short. No NFL kicker is going to leave a 45-yard field goal short unless something is is hurt with them. Watching on TV, it was good. And I mean, it was right down the. It was right, yeah, well, it looked good. It was good. Everyone was like, "Good." Yeah. What? 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 Short? Huh? <laughs> it was short. Nobody kicks it short from 45. And even he looked stunned that he had done it, but his leg was not the same. You know, and so Bruce Arian says they only needed 12 more yards. Now, yeah, for like a bomb for like 59, 58 yards, they needed 12. They really needed about 22. Or 23 yards, you know, at that point. And so the, the, the idea that you would panic and say, oh, my God, we just allowed a completion. And one more one more completion, they could be in field goal range. we got to go get this guy, and, and, and this game's going to end in a sack. It sounds good, but, boy, was that a gamble. And they got absolutely roasted. And it's, a, it's such a horrific way to lose, right, after you battle back from 27-3. to 3. And let's face it, I think we would have been talking about as much about the Rams' collapse as the Bucks victory, even though Tom Brady, you know, would have been, you know, you know, certainly a, a, another landmark for him, right? Uh, after after the Super Bowl Fifty One and all that went on, um, you know, back in the day against the Atlanta Falcons and the, the comeback he had there. Um, but you know, man, it's like, how did you get two worst plays in that situation? You know, and Matthew Stafford delivered on both, and it was Cooper Cups, not like. This guy, where did he come from? Like he has broken every receiving record known to man this year. So far, be it to to lose sight of where Cooper Cup is on every play. Um, but boy, they did, and and he burned them. And it and it's one as great as this season was in some ways. Resiliency, uh, the hangover from the Super Bowl, being relevant all year, uh, you know, winning a playoff game, like all the good things just sort of, you know, sort of slide out the window by one play. By one play that will always, this game, whenever you think about it, 20 years from now, you'll think about, yeah, and then they give up that deep ball <laughs> to Cooper Cup. Like, what were they thinking? They blitzed. They had no safeties over the top. So, yeah, it's it's one that, it's one that I hope Todd Bowles doesn't have to explain on interviews if he does more with, uh, you know, for the head coaching jobs because it just didn't make any sense. All right, and uh, one more thing about the NFL. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I was kind of watching with one eye open and my other on the computer when the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, I guess, closed out the Buffalo Bills. First, they had to get into overtime. Josh Allen deserved a better fate. He was phenomenal. He leads his team down in the final minute. They score a touchdown, and... They've got a three-point lead with, what, 14 seconds? Is that what was left on the clock, 13. 14? 13. 13 seconds. Okay, so 13 seconds on the clock. Now, 
a whole bunch of people have, have kind of scrutinized this. Like the first thing that people thought of was, why didn't you squib kick mm-hmm. it? You could have squib kicked the ball, make them field it. That's going to run off a few seconds, and then they only yep. get one play. So that was a possibility. Um, now they had all their timeouts. And the Chiefs then, did, of course, so. they did. They did. So, okay, even if you split it up, you go, well, okay, well, maybe they get three plays. Maybe they get – but they could. the point is you could have burned some time. Instead, you had a touchback mm-hmm. and no clock moved. Um, and then, you know, I mean, just allowing some of the completions, like no jam of the receivers, uh, on this one route, basically to Kelsey, um, Kelsey had said, I'm just going to run it, you know, in the area where they're not and just get open. It kind of like a street ball player, like, Hey man, go get open. Okay. I'll hit you down there. Get open. And right before the snap, you know, sort of Mahomes read the defense where they're bracketing Kelsey and he just yelled, do it, do it, meaning do what you said you were going to do. And sure enough, he ran down there in the middle of the zone, turned around, and and Mahomes put the ball right on him. And, you know, those kinds of plays, man, to get him in the field goal range and then win it, I mean, it was, I mean, that game was – that was the greatest game. That was one of the, the greatest playoff games I've ever seen. That thing was crazy. It was incredible. To watch what those quarterbacks did late in that game. I think what they mm. scored 25 points in the last yeah, two minutes. Three of the lead game, changes, something like that. Which I, I, mm-hmm. I saw a stat that Mahomes and Josh Allen scored 25 points in the last two minutes of that game. The New York Giants scored 26 points their last four games. <laughs> Poor Giants, man. That's not right. I mean, we've been picking on the Cowboys hate. enough. You have to throw in the Giants now, but. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, if the Cowboys no, had that 13 seconds, they'd run a quarterback sneak trying to get in field goal range. But right. There's some great memes about those Cowboys after that yesterday, man, when when uh, when it was proven that Kansas City could actually do something <laughs> with that time. You notice how quickly they handled the ball to the officials, too. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing, like, everybody's upset about if you're not in Kansas City. The overtime rules. NFL... Obviously, they don't have this thing just right because I think we can both safely say whoever won that coin toss was probably going to win the game. I was, hell, definitely going to win the game. So they were going to go down and score a touchdown. With and- the current overtime rules, if you win the co- the toss in the playoffs, yes, the team that wins the toss is 10-1. and one. That's correct. Because you're going to take the ball mm-hmm. ten out of ten times, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're always yeah. you got to have the ball because the team yeah. that scores a touchdown first, the game is over. They don't have to touch the football. But they've won ten out of the eleven playoff games in the current format. The rules with the it's touch- too lopsided yeah. it has to be changed. Yeah, that yeah. it's not over ninety percent of the time the team that wins the toss wins. Right now, in the past, I would have said before this certain streak, I'd have said, well, you know. Football involves playing defense, too. Mm-hmm. But it's skewed way too far on the offensive side now and to the point where, like, the stat you just mentioned. So why are you leaving games that are so important up to heads or tails? It just makes no sense. You know, they don't want them to play, you know, forever and say we're going to play another 10-minute quarter where, you know, the clock ends, it ends. Um, and that's for safety reasons and things like that. You know, how much football can these guys be subjected to? Um, but, yeah, man, just what a finish. What an absolute finish that game. I, 
I, I'm going to watch it again because I, I was kind of had one eye on it and one eye on my computer, which is probably why my story's not that good if I need an excuse. But, man, the people in the press box at Raymond James were yelping when some of those plays were made, you know, especially the throws by Josh Allen, just incredible. And then Mahomes. I think we forgot how great Mahomes was. I th- I think if it's possible to underrate a guy as 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 rated as Patrick Mahomes is, I think we've done that. We've managed to make him immortal. Well, I mean, you know, he got beat up pretty good in the Super different. Bowl last year. And he didn't have he much did. of an offensive yeah. line. And then they got off to a horrendous start to the season. And many had yeah, written him off. And so mm-hmm. yeah, it's and, and you've got a you've got a crop of some younger quarterbacks coming up, the Josh Allens. The Justin Herberts, the Joe Burrows. Yep. You know, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, Mahomes is kind of yesterday's news. Well, not so fast. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. He is He is still – I mean, he's about to go to his fourth straight AFC championship. He, You know, he lost – Not just Tom going Brady to four straight. First one. Hosting four straight. First time ever. Hosting four straight champ. I mean, that's – for the fans of Kansas City and for the owners, what a treat this guy has provided you. And he's only, I think he's only 26, not maybe not 27 years old, 27 years old or so. He's going to play a long time. And between him, Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, you know, boy, boy, it's going to be fun Herbert. to watch the AFC over the next few years. Justin Herbert, right. Derek Carr. I mean, seems like all the good quarterbacks are in the AFC right now. The younger ones. True. I mean, you got the Rodgers and the Wilsons and the Brady. You got Stafford and, and, and Stafford Wilsons, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the studs, the young studs, are, are over the and they're going to have a hell of a time playing each other every year. It's going to be just wild. It's going to be, you know, as you mentioned the other night, Manning, Roethlisberger, and and uh, Tom Brady esque um, between those three. So who knows how many Super Bowl they'll put together? Just you know. It, the fun weekend. I mean, this weekend of football. I've watched these 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 shows all day, and everybody's universally like the best weekend in the National Football League's history. And and look at the players that played it. Look at the look at the, you know, look at the all time greats that were in these games. You know, just hard to argue is right. So now that football is over, we got lots of time for everything else, right? How about racing? How about the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg? Uh, this race is phenomenal. And, of course, this year it's happening a little bit earlier. Uh, February 25th to the 27th, they take, of course, that great course through St. Petersburg that wraps around Pioneer Park and the Daly Museum and ends up, of course, at Albert Rudd Airport. If you want information on tickets and other things, uh, go to this website, gpstpete.com. That's gpstpete.com for all your race information and tickets. Final shout-out to our friend Dick Vitale, Dickie V, who is uh, frequently at us in different things about the Bucks, and, of course, just you know the greatest sports ambassador in the world, Mr. Enthusiasm. I guess he's going to be silenced, uh, which is... Uh, something, you know, is not good for him as a broadcaster, but uh, he's had a little strain on his vocal cords recently. He says that they are improving uh, because he's taking, you know, doing the treatment, but the ESPN, he won't be able to uh, to watch games for them and call games for them for a little while longer. So healing vibes to Dick Vitale. I feel for him. Steve, I don't know, you've been following him on Twitter. Like he is chronicling his 
battle with cancer in the most real and raw way you can imagine. And the strength of this guy is incredible. And the prayers I, you know, that he gets, he says, are, are invaluable and, and uplifting and all of that. But I, I just feel for him so much because I get to, you know, he lets us in on, you know, his toughest moments right now. But he does it to let you know that he's fighting, to let you know you should, you know, the old Jimmy V thing, don't give up, don't ever give up. And he's the embodiment of right now. And I just think it's so remarkable that he'll put himself out there and be vulnerable as he's been during this time, um, you know, just to, to raise, raise awareness and money to sort of help prevent, especially kids with pediatric cancer. Well, this fight uh, against cancer has been personal for him for years. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. bigger ambassador for particularly pediatric cancer, nope. but fighting cancer than Dick Vitale, mm. putting his time, his yep. resources, his money. Um, he writes books, and yep. every penny of it goes to, you know, fighting cancer research mm-hmm. and his galas and and this. And now that you know, it's a it's a personal battle for him that he's fighting. You know, he's still out there trying to educate and raise resources and funds and to try to find a cure for cancer, which you know, at some point strikes everybody. You know, someone you know, someone close to you, someone in your family. I mean, it's a it's a nasty mm-hmm. disease, and and you know, even when he's fighting it, he's not letting that stop his enthusiasm for trying to find a cure and and help people. You know, fight this terrible disease. He's so positive. He's so thankful, and um, you know, despite going through this time uh, with the chemo, with all the things. Uh, he's living life. He's living life. He's not slowing down. He's doing everything he can to enjoy the time that he has, as we all should, whether we're healthy or have some awful diagnosis. Um, that's what I respect about him is that the guy is, you know, putting himself out there and showing everybody, being the example that he has been. Um, really remarkable stuff. So say a little prayer for Dickie V, and hopefully we get to see him and hear him on the uh college basketball soon so we're gonna miss him we're gonna miss that voice you're gonna miss he is he is the voice of college basketball period and that's what i always think about when i think about college basketball so that'll be a loss but we hope he gets well and, and gets well soon all right uh, i know you guys have a ton of questions about the bucks about their offseason about bruce arians tom brady obviously they're free agents uh, you can ask us any of those questions we're gonna have a mailbag tomorrow it's a big one man at the end of the nfl season and you don't have to restrict it to the NFL. Major League Baseball is making some progress, allegedly, or at least having talks. That's that's progress uh, on their collecting bargaining agreement. So you can ask about the Rays. Obviously, the Lightning still very much in play. They play on Thursday night against New Jersey and then Saturday against Las Vegas. They're back off their long West Coast trip. So getting a few days uh, to rest and recover from that before they crank it back up again on Thursday. But anything you want to bring to the table, just uh, send it to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. You can reach uh, this uh, podcast um, on Twitter as well on uh, SCB at SportsDayTV. And, you know, send it to us with your questions 100% correctly, guaranteed, or your money back. We'll do that on tomorrow's podcast, and we got lots of stuff, I'm sure, that'll be uh, popping up for the rest of the week in the NFL. Maybe find out some more news about Byron Leftwich and his visit to Jacksonville. Still waiting for an NFL team to hire a coach. You know, there's been a lot of openings in this league that are still uh, open. Some teams are trying to settle their GM situation first. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And we've got, 
you know, even John Spitek, of course, interviewed for the Minnesota GM's job. So there, there's a lot of changes that could be occurring at One Buck Place, not just with the players, but also the coaching staff and perhaps the, perhaps the front office. So we'll delve into that as well. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.